0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi,
1: what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go.
0: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. And we're back on
2: Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller?
0: I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free.
1: free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Penza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecom, that'd be me, 3 and Out Podcast, that'd be the podcast. Uh, I'm just about a quarter and a half, I think there's seven minutes left in this game, Monday Night Football. I, I wanted to wait till the starters, Flacco, and, and I think the story of this game, uh, beside the defensive ends, I mean, the Fangio defense is going to be fantastic, but it's got to be Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Kyle Shanahan, and, and just that disaster, because I That was a disaster. Now it's a preseason game. I'm not going to overreact too much. But we'll dive into that in a second. It's got to be probably my favorite show of the year so far. Uh, Dive in, you better believe, Mike Mayock, Antonio Brown. There's actually been some kind of new news. But it's just, it it doesn't really matter. Same shit, different pile. It, It never ends when it comes to the Raiders with Antonio Brown. Just drip, 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 drip. It's always something. The Giants and their owner picking the starting quarterback, like what a what a sneaky dysfunctional franchise the New York Giants are. Zeke's agent and Zeke embarrassed themselves today for saying they were disrespected by by Jerry Jones comments. I was offended for Jerry Jones by by Zeke's agents comments. I'm not kidding. they, They were just they were egregious. And then the Middlecoff mailbag, like always. John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. DMs wide open. You slide up in those DMs. We do Middlecoff Mailbag for those of you that are new, and I just answer your questions here on the podcast. So let's start with Monday Night Football. And uh, the Monday Night Football broadcast is so bad, I-, I muted my TV and I listened to the Niners game on, on the radio. You could not pay me. Tessator and-, and, you know, I-, I get more comments from my buddies in the league about how terrible the Monday Night broadcast is than just, like, BSing about players. That- that's how truly terrible this broadcast is. I don't know what they're going to do in upcoming years, but they, they can't keep rolling this thing out. This is Monday Night Football. You know, Madden, Gruden, and now this. Come on, guys. Be better. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo has to be. Be better. And I'm not just blaming Jimmy Garoppolo. Like The 49ers have a $7.5 million a year offensive coordinator. Because that's how we talk about Kyle. Like he was the OC, not even necessarily the head coach. There is this season, and I've been a big fan of Jimmy and I, I one thing I've learned probably since in the media more than when I worked in the NFL is i got to be careful sometimes. And I, My buddy, Louis Riddick, used to give me crap when I worked in the league about anointing guys too fast. And I, I have, maybe because I, I see the best in guys, I'm a glass-half-full guy, especially with players. I was a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I thought his work in New England, how high Bill, Bill thought about him, then those games, those last five years, or excuse me, the last five games of 2017— But it has not been smooth sailing. Those three games last year, he was rusty. He didn't quite look as smooth. And because what happens? Defenses get to adapt. They get film on you. I saw it when I worked in the NFL with Michael Vick. Michael Vick was in prison for years. Was just out of sight, out of mind. And then he was the backup. And then boom, all of a sudden he becomes the starter. Almost wins the MVP. Paid him a ton of money. Then all year these defensive coordinators had film to 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 go against them, like whatever business you're in, the longer your competition has to figure you out, your strengths and weaknesses, the easier it is for them to come after you, right? It's it's no different than a player. The more that's why when you're a great player, when you're Von Miller, when you're Peyton Manning, when you're Tom Brady, when you're LeBron James, I mean Mike Trout, any sport, and you have a decade worth of film and they still can't beat you, th- that's great. Now, clearly in the NFL. You have to pay, and Jimmy was a unique situation. It's just, it's it might be an outlier situation. I don't know what the 49ers should have done. I, I supported them paying him. I would have paid him too. They really had no choice. They could have franchised him. Well, what would they have done this year coming off the ACL? Maybe got him on some sort of short-term deal, but he still had enough film out there. Someone would have paid him big money coming off an ACL. So he, he kind of, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now, the, the more games Jimmy plays, like what we just witnessed. Now, again, it is preseason football. And they have been playing against the Denver Broncos the last three days in practice. Uh, so I, I'm not going to put too much stock into the games. Because as a as a listener DM'd me last week, and I, I thought this was the perfect analogy. He's like, I view preseason games like a pro day. They are set up for you to succeed. If you screw up, that's why. It's, that's when it's a problem. Now, this, whenever you do joint practice with people, it's always a little unique. Bradley Chubb clearly had a feel for Joe Staley, who's not as bad of a player as he looked. Uh, and maybe, and I know Jeff Schwartz, former NFL player, big fan of the show. He's tweeted about a bunch that, like, the hardest time for a player is usually between preseason game one and preseason game two. Your legs are heavy. Now, not with a quarterback, but for linemen. And Joe Staley was bad tonight. I mean, he was getting smoked. Bradley Chubb might be an all-pro this year. Like, that's that's the hard part about tonight. Like, you know what the Denver Broncos might be? They're going to be a top-five defense. Because you know why? That's what Vic Fangio does. He produces top-five defenses. Especially when he has talent. And this might be the best pass-rushing duo he's ever had. I mean, seriously. Like, Ahmad Brooks and Alden Smith were pretty damn elite. But Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb are better. <laughs> I got news for you. Khalil Mack and, and Floyd pretty good. But I, I take these two guys. I mean, Bradley Chubb, what do you have, 12 sacks as a rookie? But Jimmy Garoppolo looked awful. He looked like a guy that's played 10 games in his career, coming off an ACL, looked rusty, the timing was off. People were tweeting at me, as yes, has happy feet. You don't have happy... Ha- what happy feet are, are when you freak out and no one is actually there. Jimmy was getting hit in the teeth, which is also a problem. Sometimes your offensive linemen are going to get smoked. You can't make poor decisions. Jimmy easily could have thrown two pick-sixes this night. Well, he did throw a pick, but he could have thrown another pick-six. I guess he did not throw a pick-six. He could have thrown one pick-six, and he threw another pick. He could have easily had multiple interceptions. Like, it, it was awful. He looked lost out there. Now, I, I do think there's a chance the Denver Broncos make teams look lost. But I get back. I talked about this on my last the podcast on Friday. I, I, no excuses for Kyle Shanahan. He's He's on year three of a $45 million deal. He's making $7.5 million. It's time to win. For Jimmy Garoppolo, it's time for him to play well. It's really that simple. I'm so tired of the excuses with the 49ers. Well, if this guy could just stay healthy. Well, Kyle's picked the entire team. He's had three years to overhaul the roster. I got news for everyone. John Lynch answers to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's the boss. I've, I've given Kyle excuses the last two years. Because they've had had You know, they started with Brian Hoyer. Again, Kyle chose him. Then when Jimmy came, they won a little bit. And then Jimmy got hurt and they sucked again. But they've drafted the top 10 two years in a row. If that happens again, I got news for you. It turns out Kyle's not a good head coach. He may be a good offensive coordinator. Good head coaches win in this league. They win in this league. So at the end of this year, to me, if Kyle doesn't have nine or ten wins by year three, he's just not a good head coach. It's really going to be that simple. The the great part about the NFL, the formula's pretty easy for determining success and failures with head coaches. When you win, you're a good coach. If you don't win, you're a loser. Especially the more, like if you're a one-and-done guy, maybe you got a raw deal. You know, but I'll tell you this, Vance Joseph lasted two years. Vance Joseph's not a good coach. He's not a good head coach, and I wouldn't hire him to be my defensive coordinator. Kyle, for me, the jury's starting to be out. I, I got the juries out on Kyle, and I've been one of his biggest supporters. I, I thought Kyle or I mean Collins, saying he's Bill, he's going to be the next Bill Belichick might be a little strong but the, the, the heat's on the, the pressure's on Like it is time to win we've been anointing this team the last two years they're going to make the playoffs this is their year well they've drafted the top 10 two years in a row McGlinchey Bosa Okay, McGlinchey's good time for Bosa to be good well what's happened with Bosa well he's injured why is he injured well he's always injured uh, just time for some of your... D Ford, where's he? Well, he's injured too. Well, he's always injured. Well, he played last year 16 games for the Kansas City Chiefs. All these players that you've acquired over the... Dante Pettis, you drafted, you traded up to get him in the second round. See him make some plays. Debo Samuel, Jalen Hur, all these guys. See him all make some plays. That's what good coaches do. Belichick, Andy, Tomlin. They, they just find players and the players are good. And the teams win. Why? Because good coach Pete Carroll just finds ways to win. It's just... If Kyle's a good coach, it's time for him to win now. We've put him on a pedestal, and I'm and I'm guilty, and I've given him excuse for the last couple years. But he's not the offensive coordinator; he's the head coach. Bill O'Brien. You know what Bill O'Brien does? Flawed guy, not good, can't work well with people. But his teams win. He makes the playoffs. At the end of the day, say what you want about Bill O'Brien, his teams win. Like, are, are we just gonna are we gonna be four years in? The best record Kyle's had is eight and eight. And again, this is not just based on tonight. I, I don't even give a shit about the preseason game. But I just know this for Kyle Shanahan, who I've been arguing, like, is he McVay? Is he McVay? And here's what I know about McVay. McVay showed up for the Rams. Jared Goff couldn't take a snap from under center. Their team was a joke and a debacle. He's been there two years, and they just keep winning. They've won the division twice. They've won multiple playoff games. They've hosted multiple playoff games. They just win games. So, like, McVay's a good coach. (laughs) Matt Nagy shows up for the Bears. They've sucked forever. Won the division. Doug Peterson got to Philly. Chip Kelly had ruined the roster. Two years later, he wins the Super Bowl. You know what turns out? Doug Peterson's a good coach. Bruce Arians. You know what he'll probably do in Tampa? Win. You know why? Bruce Arians is a good coach. We don't even have to guess. I just know. Kyle Shanahan, right now it's just a lot of excuses. A lot of I think he's good, and I do think Kyle's good. I, I do. I believe in him as a play caller. He's a dynamic offensive mind. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo as a talent. I, I do. I, th- I. I was the one saying I think he can be a top five quarterback. It's just time to show it now. It's a great part about the NFL. It's a bottom line business. We're at the point now with this regime, like it's time for those two guys really to prove their worth. Like you know what Vic Fangio is going to do in Denver? I don't know if their offense is going to be good. Their defense is going to kick ass. Like again, I have no clue about the offense. Like Kyle, this offense should be really good. I'm not again. I'm not trying to overreact to the preseason game. But my point, I could have made the same point in the middle of late May in april in june he's built his team we've anointed this guy and rightfully so he's proven to be a dynamic offensive coach but coaching as the head coach is about more than just calling plays his players think really highly of him as they should he's a smart guy they they seem to respond to what he does but it's just it's just time to get it done in san francisco
2: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
1: At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals who, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash J O H N. That's LinkedIn.com slash J O H N. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You
3: Missed in History class.
1: Okay, let's get into, you know, one of my favorite stories ever. Uh, it's currently going on right now with the Oakland Raiders. Mike Mayock, John Gruden, Drew Rosenhaus, Antonio Brown. And this this is my wheelhouse. I, I used to, for those who don't know, I used to have a radio show in the Bay Area. And when I was at that radio station, they, had, they were partners with the Raiders. And I used to do pre and post game uh, for the Raiders and got to know them on a pretty intimate level. And coming from the Eagles, you know, which you'd easily be a top three or four organization in all of the NFL, it was pretty clear. And like most people in Northern California, I don't think many people outside of this area realize, it's like the Yankees and the Mets. You know, it's it's probably like a 20 to 1 ratio around here, Niners to Raiders. And like people like me, who was, you know, grow up and born and raised in Northern California, if you were born in the 80s, which I was... Two things. The Raiders weren't even here. And two, the 49ers dynasty was in mid-form. So as I started coming into my own as a football watcher, like early 90s, it was Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, Ronnie Lott. Like the the Niners owned this area for 20 plus years. And one, huge. And then during the internet age, the Niners had a stranglehold on the area and the Raiders became just the ultimate dysfunctional franchise. Meanwhile, the Niners were pretty dysfunctional too until Harbaugh got here. But they're, the Raiders are used to chaos. And I said one of the funniest lines of, the, of all of Hard Knocks, and as I'm recording this, I'm doing it on Monday, so only two episodes were out, was the first episode. When John Madden was talking about the seven-man sled, and he said that he used the seven-man sled to cure the hangover. Because the Raiders team was full of dudes that partied in the mid-70s. The group of Raiders are arguably the hardest partiers we've ever seen. That also won. They'd be right. They'd be right there with the '86 Mets. Drugs, alcohol, you name it, they did it. The Snake, Freddie Bolitnikoff including the coach. I mean, I, I don't think Madden was maybe as normal as we think about him back then. The Raiders are dysfunction. That, that's all they know. And some people, like when I grew up, I knew people in my life, either parents or grandparents, that were very successful, made a lot of money. And they were functioning alcoholics. Most people I've known in my life, like my experience, the alcoholics I've known have been functioning alcoholics and have have done really well in life. So I've never really been around a non-functioning alcoholic. And I've heard stories, and I'm sure many people listening, it ruins families. I mean, I, I have like second and third hand experiences with it, but never like my close friends or my family. The people in my life, that were, I would quote-unquote, alcoholics, functioned at a really high level. It did not mess with their life at all, that that I got to see. Obviously, it ruins a lot of lives. And I I think that's a good example. Like, some organizations, like in Philadelphia, we handled chaos pretty well. Obviously, the Steelers and the the Patriots, I would consider them like... Because in the NFL, there is chaos. So there are either the functioning alcoholics and then the people that can't handle it. And I know this for a fact that of all the places Antonio Brown could have gone, the Raiders and their infrastructure, even with Mayock and Gruden down here, are not equipped to handle a guy like this. It's where the dysfunctional go to rot and go to die and go to just be a disaster. Because I've seen it firsthand with the organization. They're, they're, for an NFL organization, they're very, very small time. Now, Gruden and Mayock aren't, but the ethos of the organization... I mean, Mark Davis, listen, I, I like Mark Davis. I know people around the Bay Area think that I hate Mark Davis. I have never had a bad interaction with Mark Davis. He used to get mad when I would talk they should hire Harbaugh, even though the irony was they ended up interviewing Harbaugh. But when, when I saw him in person, he was great. Now, some of their other personnel, not not football people, but non-football people, they, they are some of, and I'm trying to say this nicely, some of the biggest clowns I've ever been around. I, I mean, just... People that I can't believe they were in the position of power they were in. And their biggest problem, having had in a front row seat with the with the Eagles, and I've gotten to know a lot of people with the Niners over the years, is like they're big picture thinkers. Especially the business people. Because if you do it right in the NFL, you print cash. The, the people with the Raiders could never figure it out. And then obviously their football people for a long period of time were terrible. Now finally they got two guys that are clearly pretty high level individuals. And I think you saw it with John Gruden... Is John Gruden is like the modern day version of Al Davis? He does not care about character. I mean, he says he does, and once he has the team, he wants it. But for the most part, he doesn't care. That's why Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. They got him for a third round pick for a reason. No other team wanted him. And no or no other team was willing to part with a pick and give him money. The Raiders did both. Don't get it. He didn't come to the Raiders because they're the Raiders. Or the silver and black or any of that, as Colin says, the nostalgic BS. He came to the Raiders for $30 million. It's that simple. End of story. Now, here's the thing. Gruden, coach anybody. He doesn't care, clearly. They got Richie Incognito. They got Vontez Burfitt. And they acquired Antonio Brown. So, and depending on who you talk to, they got rid of Khalil Mack. Owner doesn't have enough cash. Really that simple. And when to pay a guy $90 million, he doesn't have $90 million in the bank. When they're trying to move, they're already so pressed in, in terms of loans and stuff. It was the right financial move, they thought, for the franchise. And part of the reason Gruden, I think, cost 10 years, $100 million, there was a Raider tax there. Your organization's too big, just too crazy, too dysfunctional to not pay me a premium when I'm John Gruden. So John Gruden bent him over, took every penny, and as he should. I'm a capitalist. I take as much money as you can get. But if that was the Steelers or the Eagles or the Patriots, does it cost them $100 million to get John Gruden? Probably not. But here's the thing with Mike Mayock, and I, I've met him a couple times. I know people that when I worked with in Philly are really tight with him. He's obviously from that area. A lot of people in the league are very close with Mike. Just as a fan of Mike Mayock, and I would imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast, if you've watched the NFL draft coverage, you've watched NFL Network, assuming you do that because it's an NFL podcast, you have a pretty good idea what Mike Mayock likes and what he doesn't like. And I'd say the number one thing he despises is fluff. Just a bunch of BS that comes a lot of times with professional athletes. It's why he loves, like, your high-character ass-kickers. It's why he was all in on Khalil Mack, remember? And there are things about Clowney that he didn't love. I promise you this, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm confident about it, that Mike Mayock did not want Antonio Brown on his team. But Mike Mayock, despite being the general manager, is not in control of the roster the $100 million man is. So he was vetoed on that. Well, when Mike Mayock this would have been on Sunday, walked over to the reporters mid-practice and went on his 39-second little rant. I said, you know what? This is an old-school guy whose philosophical beliefs kind of come from Belichick who's just had enough. This guy's not at practice after we gave him a $30 million bonus because of a helmet. And it'd be one thing if, well, half the league's complaining about it. He's the only human that can't figure out the helmet. But of course this happened with the Raiders. Because of course Antonio Brown would come to the Raiders, would burn off his feet, and would refuse to put on a helmet that literally every other player in the league, 90 times 31 plus 89 on the Raiders, have figured out a way to wear the new style helmets that are being worn for the safety of these players and their own individual brains. But Antonio Brown, for whatever reason, not only refuses to wear it, he will just leave. And the Raiders are... Unlike the majority of teams now, still go to a destination for training camp. The way it works Napa, if you haven't been there, Wine Country, obviously, there's this Marriott. And behind the Marriott is like this junior high school, but between the junior high school and the Marriott, there are like three or four fields so you can run practice. It's really cool. So the Marriott backs right up to these fields, and you can build the weight room on the side, and then you got all the practice fields, and there's even enough space. To put stands so you can have fans. It's really cool. It's badass. Jerry Jones has said he's looked into it. I'm sure the 49ers are looking into it. There will be an NFL team if the Raiders leave that spot in the next year or two that go to Napa. I promise you that. It's badass. So Antonio Brown, who lives in Florida. I I think he's renting a house I've heard down in the South Bay, like the Palo Alto area where Stanford is. If he's going to leave the hotel, where the hell is he going? Like, is he going to the mall? Is he going to rent a house? I don't understand where he's going. Now, as of recording of this, Mortensen reported that he did show up to the team meeting today. But this is a disaster. I mean, Mike Mayock had to basically give their best player, and don't get it twisted, he's the best player on the Raiders by a country mile, an ultimatum. You're either in or you're out. And I, what, are they going to trade him? It'd be hard to trade him. You'd probably have to bite the bullet and take like a six or seven. You're not going to cut him, because financially it doesn't make sense. This is the problem. This is why Mike Mayock would fundamentally be opposed to this type of player. Cuz he's so good. The moment you acquire that guy and then you then you financially empower him, he's got you by the balls. So they're like Mike Mayock can act like a tough guy, and I think he is, and I think yesterday he was pissed off, and it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was sweet. But there's only so much he can do. Like they need Antonio Brown. They need him for week 1. They're kind of screwed. And this is why I said it didn't make any sense. Once you get rid of Cleo back and you get rid of Amari Cooper and you get all these draft picks, I thought they were starting over at scratch. But the problem is John Gruden changes his mind every 10 minutes. He has unlimited amounts of power. He has all this money. He's unfireable. No one can tell him anything, mainly because no one in the building knows what the hell they're doing besides Gruden and Mayock and some of Gruden's coaches. So it's just, it's, it's a shit show. That's really what it is. And the sad thing is, and I feel, and I know a lot of older Raider fans... Like, they still hold on to, like, the 70s and the early 80s eighties with Stabler and Tom Flores and Jim Plunkett and Fred Biletnikoff and Howie Long. I mean, they, they have some of the most iconic players ever. The old room in what they call, like, where their conference room is, is called the Hall of Fame room. Because Al Davis, I think, has introduced the most amount of people inside the Hall of Fame in the history of the NFL. They, they are so far away from that in 2019, it's not even funny. And I said it all along. That this team, the Bay Area, is on one of the great 20-year stretches in financial history. There is more goddamn money around this place. I, I need to get my hands on more. But even a guy like me that can start from scratch multiple times and make a lot of money. It's pretty easy. There's a lot of cash flowing around here. Jed York is swimming in it. He is absolutely swimming in cash. And the Raiders, now, I- I'll defend them a little bit. The politicians in Oakland, probably one of the more messed up little communities in America. But still, they have a they have a famous brand. It's the NFL. I mean, the, the, the Warriors are crushing it. The Giants are crushing it. The Niners are crushing it. Win or lose, they're printing money. The Raiders have never been able to turn a profit, and they're just gonna move and figure out how to turn a profit. It's so why I always said, I listen. I think the league is in a very very tough spot, allowing them to go. Obviously, they had to allow them go when the money was free. But the, the infrastructure of non-football people's not there. And then even with the football people now, John Gruden, who you thought would come back kind of guns blazing, can't even handle his own players. So it's just this organization, it's just always something with them. Drip, 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 drip. And, and Raider fans get so offended, especially in this area, because they're kind of the redheaded stepchild of the other team. It's They're always compared to the Niners. The Niners always get more media coverage. Even the Niners, the craziest things that come out of there are never quite as crazy as stuff that comes from the Raiders. And it never ends. It never ends. And it's like Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus is made. If someone tweeted at me today, he could sell sand to the King of Egypt. He could sell ice to an Eskimo. Drew Ra- Rosenhaus was born for chaos. Terrell Owens, Tyree Kill, Antonio Brown. I watch him talking, not even sweating. It's just normal to him. He, he thrives in that environment. Honestly, I I think he likes it when his players are kind of crazy. Made for it. Like, it just doesn't even phase him. Some agents want no part of guys like that. I think Drew Rosenhaus, maybe it keeps him interesting. Maybe it keeps him locked in. I don't know. But he clearly likes a player kind of on edge. He he doesn't mind it. And when they do kind of cross the ledge, he's right there with them. He's the opposite of the Raiders. Like, when chaos hits them, they're double screwed. Because they're never good enough. And second of all, they're never equipped to handle it. Rosenhaus like doesn't even flinch. It's like, he's like a, everyone, you know, when there's like a fire or something and the first responders all run in and everyone's running out, it's like Rosenhaus. Most organizations run away from craziness. Rosenhaus runs at it. And I, I've always been entertained by Rosenhaus. His brand is pretty special. To me, his brand is kind of chaos. Obviously, the most, you know, memorable moment was Terrell Owens in the in the driveway but today, kind of making the television rounds, this is Drew Rosenhaus. He, he's made for this. The Raiders are not. And it's already a complete disaster. And is where I, I will always defend Derek Carr. If, if you think that you could have put Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or John Elway in this organization, they would have succeeded, you're out of your mind. They, they would have failed. This organization destroys people's careers. And the guys are lucky enough to get away from it and then still have success. Even some of Al Davis's crazy quote unquote misses, Darius Hayward Bay still playing in the league. Mike Mitchell went on to have a long career. Like once the guy Khalil Mack, you know he was doing well, and then even he had to get away and became he's going to become a all time he's going to become a Hall of Famer with the Bears. This organization Amari boom it's crazy crazy in, in uh, Oakland goes to Dallas kills it. This organization brings players down and it's sad. And it always starts at the top with ownership. But the the thing about you, Mark Davis, is he's not like some micromanager. He is so dependent on his little cronies around him, the non-football people, that they create this. And it's just a never-ending cycle. So when the Raiders move to Las Vegas, nothing is going to change. They're just going to owe an astronomical amount of money on the stadium, which they've never been able to make money. And it makes me nervous. Like if I was Roger Goodell, I'd be like, oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? And as long as Mark Davis is alive, he's going to own this team. So, I mean, th- one day the ownership will change and it will probably be the healthiest thing to ever happen to the franchise. But this is, I think it's crazy. At the end of the day, Mike Mayock, all these chances over the years to come back to the league. And I get it when you're the Raiders nostalgia. It's really cool for a football fan. And clearly Mayock's a football fan. But he he might have hitched his wagon like many players. This, this, this might be a short-lived career for him with the Oakland Raiders.
4: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
3: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
1: Okay, let's dive into the New York Giants and their ownership. I think if you read about any successful business, whether it's football, whether it's finance, whether it's, I don't know, NBA, any walk of life, medical sales, farming operation, you name it. The guy that runs the organization, whether he's the owner, whether he's a CEO, whatever he does, whether he's a head coach, you can't micromanage everything. It's impossible. As your business grows, there's just too much going on. You will waste time. You will be less efficient if you attempt to get into everyone's business. Now, you can keep tabs on things, but there are certain things you should focus on more than you did before you own the company, right? Or before you became CEO of the company or whatever. You just, there's only so much you can do. Just like what you do as a quarterback coach, you're going to do different stuff when you're the head coach or even the coordinator. But when you own a football team, you pay, especially in 2019, you're paying a head coach anywhere between 5 and $10 million. And you're paying a D- GM a couple million bucks. Depending on who you are, that number changes. But you are paying them a lot of money to decide who plays and who doesn't play. And right now, the New York Giants might have the biggest micromanager owner in the league. And I was told this because I was like, I bet... Two years ago, when when Josh McDaniels you know, spurned Indianapolis and Matt Patricia was kind of interviewing around, I was told there's no way he'll go to the New York Giants from someone that knows. And I said, why? And they said, because Belichick's never been comfortable with their ownership. He, th- he thinks they, they dabble too much. And Mara's brother, I think his name is Chris Mara, is also in the front office. He's like basically the assistant GM. Like he runs personnel stuff. So they are, they're not your, they're a little closer in terms of Raiders, the nostalgia and holding on. Now they're much, much higher level. They've obviously won championships with Tom Coughlin. And I don't think they did it with Tom Coughlin. You know, people weren't telling Tom Coughlin what to do. Uh, But for the most part, with McAdoo and then clearly right now with Pat Shermer, John Mara is deciding who should be the starting quarterback. Here is the quote from Pat Shermer. because one thing's pretty clear, and I told everyone this, which is as crazy as Dave Gettleman's pick of Daniel Jones was at 6. The crazy part was not the player, because I've said this on this podcast multiple times. I had friends in the SEC, they all had first-round grades on the guy. Now, they did not think he was a top-10 pick, but if you were to take him at 17, no one was going to argue with you. Pretty clear he would have been there at 17. I am very confident of that. They could have taken Daniel Jones at 17, and they could have drafted Josh Allen at 6. But, whatever. We've moved past that. But, when when Daniel Jones proves that... I got news for you. He's probably better than Eli Manning right now. You just play him. Because Eli Manning, you last won a Super Bowl in 2011. It's 2019. Stop holding on to the past. The past is over. I get pissed off around these parts with the San Francisco Giants. They do the same thing. Like, talk about... We're winning a world championship in 2010 or 2012 or 2014 now they win three but it's like guys it's 2019 and finally this year people started moving on i hate holding on to the past when it limits you from moving forward now if you can hold on to the past and move forward like the patriots are good at that the warriors are getting good at that certain teams are good at that most teams are not here is what pat Shermer said after the game regarding a quote-unquote quarterback controversy john mara owns the team right We're on the same page. There really is not much more to say. I think I've been saying it all along. I just don't get a sense once in a while that when I answer the questions, none of you believe me. Well, you heard it from the owner. So basically, Pat is saying, whether I'm saying it or not, the owner said it, Eli's going to start. And I just take a step back Why in God's green earth is John Morrow commenting on Eli Manning being the starter? Or if Daniel Jones is going to be the starter? You hired Pat Shermer, And don't get me wrong. I I think Pat Shermer is the worst head coach in the NFL. I I believe that to my core. That's just an opinion I have. I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm closer to being right, though, than wrong. And I think Gettleman is an egomaniac guy in his late 60s. He's living in a little bit in the past. Uh, I I would never have hired him with a 10-foot pole. But... Even if they had hired Bill Belichick or Ron Wolf or you know whoever they could have hired Jim Harbaugh, it would have been a problem because John Mara can't keep his fingers off this quarterback situation. If Eli Manning beats Daniel Jones out in training camp, he should be the starter. If Daniel Jones, you feel like is better than Eli Manning, this is 2019, not 1988. You should start him. Because this situation, also Dave Gettleman made the comparison that we want to do it like the Chiefs did. Do you know what the Chiefs did? They sat Patrick Mahomes because that year, I'm pretty sure they won the division. And Alex Smith had his best year of his career. Eli Manning is coming off a pretty down year, and he just he's not a very good player anymore. He can't move behind an offensive line that's average at best. Well, Daniel Jones is a much better athlete, and it's pretty clear he's not a bad player. He's really accurate. He's probably got a better arm at this point than Eli Manning. See, if, if it's even close, why delay the inevitable? This is not a 20-year-old. Wasn't he a fifth-year senior? Like, this is a pretty mature individual. He's not coming from community college. He's coming from Duke. You know, probably a top seven or eight academic institution in America. And if he's capable of handling it, put him out there. Now, if Eli Manning beats him out in training camp, which... I'd be hard-pressed to think he could. Maybe he can, just because you kind of rig it toward him. Okay. But why does the owner have anything to do with this? You know where the owner has nothing to do with anything? All the good teams. Every team in America. Now, maybe Robert Kraft got involved with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that that, wasn't going to change Tom Brady's status that season. He would never tell Bill Belichick who to start. Now, he may say, Bill, you can't cut Tom Brady, But the way that season played out, Tom Brady ended up winning the Super Bowl. They wouldn't have been able to move on from him as a Super Bowl champ anyway. You can't dictate who's starting and who's not starting as an owner. What's the point in paying your coach all this money? Especially in football, where it is a little more complicated. Especially with with quarterback. Where it's clear, you can't win with Eli Manning anymore. You invested a very, very high pick. Like in a perfect world, you know what the Chiefs would tell you? We were lucky we had Alex Smith, and it may be the best thing that ever happened for Mahomes, and it probably did help, but they did lose out on a year of Mahomes. Is there a chance, even as a rookie, and I don't know this, you'd have to ask Coach Reed or Veach, and even deep down, they don't quite know, because they didn't see it. Could they have been better that Mahomes' first year? Seriously. And you also, maybe he wins, maybe wins the MVP as a rookie. I mean, it's not probably likely But maybe he throws 35 touchdowns. Maybe instead of losing Tennessee in the first round, they win a couple games. Now, it's hard to maybe they lose a couple more games in the regular season. Who knows? But like the one problem with the way they did it with Mahomes sitting in that year was you do kind of waste the year of him on a cheap contract. Now, they knew it going in, but then once they got their hands on him, they realized, holy hell, this guy's really good. But there's nothing they could do. Part of having what's so... The, the, the strength of having a young quarterback is when you draft him in the first round, you have him for four years on a cheap contract, a really cheap contract, relative to what you pay the guys, right? So you wasting a year, and they've even talked about wasting a two-year, that's the whole, you know, kind of Billy Bean advantage of drafting a first-round quarterback is you can load up other parts of your team. And the Chiefs immediately went into that mode last year, with Sammy Watkins, trading for Frank Clark, going to get the Honey Badger. But their timeline, because he didn't start that first year, is kind of a three-year window before Mahomes starts making huge cash. So if if you did hit on Daniel Jones, which I would imagine if Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman was saying here, we're going to make you all look stupid because we think we hit on him. And, and just going off two preseason games, I'll be the first to say he looks awesome. And maybe they do hit on him. But if you do hit on him, play him now. None of your fans, like, stop holding on to 2011. It's 2019. John Mara, get out of the personnel meeting. Let them tell you what they're going to do. That's why you hired these people. If they think Daniel Jones is better, he should play. Now, Pat Shermer is just the ultimate, you know, team company man. But that's embarrassing. Like, that quote to me jumped out saying, the Giants... Might be one of the sneaky biggest debacles in the NFL. Just the way their franchises ran. Now they're one of the more profitable ones. They have one of the biggest fan bases because of where they play. But don't let that get twisted. They got major issues. Okay, let's dive into uh, the Cowboys. Who are basically the profitable, good version of what the Raiders kind of wish they were. Pretty dysfunctional. But again, like a lot of teams in the NFL, they can handle dysfunction. And Zeke... I I want to play you this bit, or this sound, it's not a bit, I mean, Jerry Jones is actually talking, about when he's asked about Pollard, the young running back, who's had a good preseason, looks pretty talented, actually. Here's Jerry Jones. Pollard's your best negotiator with Zeke? Who? Pollard. Zeke who? <laughs> <laughs> He's got your camera. We're having some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Not at your expense. Uh, okay. So, Jerry, I, I don't think he quite knew the camera was on him at first, but it was really pretty harmless. Like, when you listen to that, the, everyone's laughing. The question was, do you think Pollard is your best negotiating ploy? And he dropped Zeke who? He's kidding. Again, how could it be that emotional, Zeke? He drafted you fourth overall. Every time you get in trouble, he's got your back. So then his agent comes out and tells Mort Report some guy named Rocky Arnasasio. I've I've never heard of this guy. Now granted, one of the reasons I can let it rip, where I think a lot of people in the media don't, I'm not friends with that many agents. They don't dictate my thoughts. I piss the friends that I do have. I probably piss them off sometimes. I, I, you know, I'm buddies. The Cliff Kingsbury's agent came on my show. I don't know six months ago. I blasted Cliff Kingsbury. Like I, we have in in my relationships with, you know, people in the league. They might get mad at some things I say. I mean, that's just part of the reason I am who I am. You know, I I don't get I don't buddy buddy with agents because I will not support their client if I think they're in the wrong or they play bad. I'm not. I can't show for you that way. Here's what Ezekiel Elliott... Zeke Elliott was not amused with Saturday's Zeke, Hugh, uh, Zeke who quit from Jerry Jones and thought it was disrespectful, according to Elliott's agent. I didn't think it was funny, and neither did Zeke. We actually thought it was disrespectful. W- what did you guys think when you uh, ran into the law for the 15th time since being in the league for three years? What did you think when you got suspended for six games and Jerry Jones went to war? Let me repeat, went to war. With Roger Goodell over you. What do you think when, when Jerry Jones. When everyone told him he was an idiot. You should not draft a running back fourth overall. You should take Jalen Ramsey. Stood up and turned in the Zeke card. What do you think about Jerry Jones supporting you across every line? Clearly if you watch the video. Jerry's laughing. It's not that funny. It's not disrespectful. He's made you countless offers. You've put yourself in this situation. I'd argue that Zeke Elliott and his agent have been disrespectful to Jerry Jones. You're off in Cabo when he's paid you a premium. He supported you through just, let's, frankly, being an idiot, being an idiot, not being able to do the right things, and you can't figure it out, and you get all sensitive, become a sensitive Sally, become like Kevin Durant over a pretty innocuous comment, which he's clearly laughing and joking about. Like, this is why I can't deal with agents. Like, is he serious in that quote? We felt disrespected. Did you feel disrespected when he's offered you like $45 million and you keep turning it down? What are you guys talking about? And this type of stuff, which maybe I'm more worn out of it now than ever because I follow the NBA so closely and having Kevin Durant and just the stupid NBA stories that I've had to deal with in my backyard for the last couple of years. This this, and Antonio Brown, it feels very uh, NBA-ish. Like, hey guys, there is no disrespect They've paid you like thirty million dollars for your first four years to play running back. Now you're a really good player, but you've been in trouble nonstop, and Jerry Jones is still trying to pay you, and you consistently turn down his offers. So, like, I, this is a type story. Honestly, kind of pisses me off because one, they're, if they're either saying that because they're trying to get public, uh, I don't know, like support on their side, most humans with common sense look at you like you're an idiot. Two, do they really believe that? Like. Are they honestly disrespected by that? And I, I'm never one to tell someone when they should be or shouldn't be mad or triggered or whatever. We're all our own person. You can get mad at whatever you want. It might maybe it's a character flaw of me. I, I don't. I'm not offended by much. I, I really am not. And maybe that helps me live my life on social media a lot easier because I just now I'm just unaffected by anything I see. I was offended by this. If I was a Cowboy fan, I'd be a little pissed off. Like what, what's because you know what Jerry Jones is not running? He's not running a clown show. He's trying to win a Super Bowl. He's made offers to all these guys. And here's the other thing. Hey, Zeke, while well, you're off in Cabo claiming you're down at 225, drinking Mai Tais, eating carne Asada street tacos, which I wouldn't blame you, uh, and getting your lift on and running on the beach, Dak, Amari, and the other 89 guys are here working. We're building the foundation to try to win. You know, last year we won a playoff game. This year we want to win two or three. So, if you, we're, we're, they're not paid yet. They're having no issues. We're not having, you know, I guess a little bit with Dak, pissing contests through the media. And maybe that's a character flaw, a little bit of Jerry, that when you always talk to the media, obviously they're going to ask you about the main stuff. And Jerry's got a big personality. You know, I, I'd be a terrible NFL owner. I just wouldn't talk to the media. Because if I did, I'd just BS. And I would say shit like that. I think most of us would. So, you're probably best off just never saying anything. And just avoiding the cameras. But Jerry likes it. And Jerry owns a team. He can do whatever he wants. But to be... If they're truly offended by that comment... We just learned that Zeke and his agent are two of the... Two of the most easily triggered people we have in America.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury. With a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClair knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers.
3: Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
0: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
3: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash impact.
4: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's get into the Middlecoff Mailbag. It's where I answer your questions from Instagram into my DMs, which a lot of you guys have slid into, and uh, we'll talk about it. So we got a couple some old ones here. We'll start with, uh, I can't even read this guy's name. Hey, John, can you explain why people hate Goodell so much? I personally think he's a decent commissioner, and booing him on draft night makes no sense unless I'm missing something. You know, I, I think the most basic element of this is people hate power. And people hate successful people. And the media really went after him. I mean, the Ray Rice thing was a debacle. There's no way around it. If he saw the video. And it'd be it'd be hard-pressed to think he didn't see the video. I also think the media looks at the NFL like the conservative league. Unlike the NBA that they view as the liberal league. I, I, I really believe this. And the media, we all know, 98% of them are extreme left-wingers. And they, they just know that Goodell's the guy leading the charge, even though he's technically not. He works for the owners, so they go after him. Uh, and it was u- easy to use him as a symbol of their hate, you know? And I also think that Goodell... I, I, you know what well, the one thing that always bothers me about the media when they go after the, the NFL? I say this all the time. The NFL is not the police. If a guy doesn't get arrested or he's let off, the, the NFL is a private sector business. They have two goals make money and, and try to win games, the individual franchise. But Roger has one, and that's print cash for everybody. So like everyone's so caught up in thinking he's he's not an FBI investigator here. That's not his job. That's not the role of his of his business, of what he's been paid forty-five million to do. And someone tweeted out, I guess CBS merged with some company. And they, they listed like a list of some of these CEOs from like Robert, not Robert, but uh, who's the CEO of Bob Iger and what Les Moonves used to make at CBS. I mean, the CEOs of these major companies are making 50 to 100 million dollars a year. Like that's what CEOs make. So I also think people are jealous that Roger makes so much money. Yeah, he runs a 12 billion dollar business. They pay him 45 million dollars. Welcome to the private sector. I, maybe they don't teach that at Syracuse the, in the journalism school, but I, I think a lot of it is is with the media and their hatred toward hatred's the wrong word probably, but you know capitalism sometimes at the highest level bothers them and they freak. Now Roger did some things that like he should have been criticized for the Ray Rice stuff, but you know for the most part he, the league has been a booming success under his watch. I don't always agree with everything he does. Uh, but he has the power. Why? Because the players gave it to him, you know, at the end of the day, the players gave it to him. They decided that he should have the power. The, the NFL union, which is all the players that happened. So I, I'm with you. Like, I'll tell you, he's not a good commissioner. Adam Silver. He does nothing under his watch. Like his, his claim to fame was kicking Donald Sterling out of the league. Like, whoa. Way to get him there Adam. You mean just a known slumlord racist who's worked in the league for 35 years? That's your crowning achievement? Cuz the ratings are plummeting on your watch. The 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 consumers constantly getting screwed when they go to these games and the players are sitting. You would never hear the media speak a terse word about Adam Silver, I'll promise you. I'll tell you he was a good commissioner, David Stern. The media didn't always love David Stern. You know, if the commissioner doesn't like you in a pro sports league, probably means your sports league's doing well. Unless you're Bud C-League and then you're just a clown. What is the Jets' biggest need? Corner, defensive end, offensive tackle, or wide receiver? Would it make sense for them to offer a fourth-round pick for Clowney? I would offer a fourth-round pick for Clowney, 100%. I would offer a fourth-round pick for Clowney if I was the Jets. Now, do I think that uh, Joe Douglas, their new general manager, would do it? Probably not. Uh, I I was hearing someone talk on a podcast or maybe a coach talking that they think their offensive line might have been on Peter King's podcast that they felt pretty strong about their offensive line or better I think than the outside people think Uh, you know their wide receivers have looked pretty good with Sam Darnold Le'Veon won't play all preseason but we know he's a star they did lose Avery Williams but they got Leonard Williams you drafted Quinn and Williams so their front should be pretty solid they got Jamal Adams who's a playmaker I like their team I think either them or the Bills are going to be, I don't know which one. I, I lean the Jets, but I, the Bills are kind of growing on me with Josh Allen balling. One of those two teams is going to win nine games. I'm not sure. And if you said, like, Middlecoff, you got to put $1,000, I'd probably just put 500 on both. <laughs> I, I don't feel confident about either, but I, I am confident one of the two of them is going to be good. Because I like Adam Gase. I love Darnold. I like... I like Sean McDermott a lot. Their defense is going to be good. Josh Allen's really growing on me. One of those two teams is going to be good. I'm telling you. I promise you. I'm a Newham listener, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on the Colts, plus the luck situation following tonight's game. Brissett looks solid tonight, and of course the Colts have good offensive pieces. You think the Colts will end up being fine if luck misses? Worst case, probably up to like four games. Well, so this, you probably sent this to me on Saturday night, and I watched the first couple drives. Jacoby had a great drive where he hit Ebron in the back of the end zone. Eric Ebron has just turned into a monster. You know, it, it's crazy in this league. It's a little like this in the NBA too, but definitely in the NFL, where sometimes a first-round pick for whatever reason, scheme fit, immaturity, physical immaturity, just doesn't work. And then he goes to his new place, and, I mean, Eric Ebron's the best version. I mean, he's becoming a lock pro bowler every year. Touchdown he had, double coverage. Who are they playing? The Bengals? I did see a clip, though, of Andrew Luck warming up, and he looked pretty good. Just his his legs. Obviously, we know his shoulder's okay now. But the bone, he did some bag drills. I feel like Andrew Luck's not going to miss a game. Now, I I don't have any inside information or anything. I'm just going off a Twitter video. But I would be, you know, what's August 19th, I'd be a little shocked if Andrew Luck missed a game. I, I am not expecting him to miss any games. But I'm with you. If he had to miss four... I think a three and one or two and two with Jacoby, no problem. Jacoby's going to be a starter in the league next year. I know Dak, Zeke, and Amari is the talk in Dallas, but why is no one paying attention to Travis, Fred- Travis Frederick coming back? In my opinion, top three center in the league is coming back to a great online, and haven't heard a word about it. Uh, you know, it's, I'm going to put this about as simply as I can. No one cares about offensive linemen really until they're gone. You know, in, in this in the league. The talking points are quarterbacks and skill guys and coaches. We don't talk about guards and centers. You know, it's kind of, I, I, hell, it kind of bores me. And I talk about football for a living. Now, I hear you. He's a stud. If he's playing, they're in good shape. If they can get their starting offensive lineman on the field and Zeke comes back and Dak's there and Amari's there, they're good. Their defense is really good. i I've, I've kind of, I mean, I might lean picking the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. I'm becoming a little less confident with Zeke. I don't. I don't never know when he's coming back from Cabo. Or if Jerry's going to trade him, or what the hell's going to happen? Amari's kind of banged up with a bad heel. But yeah, I don't know. So I, I'm. I just think it's simple. That people get people, the casual fan, and most people that probably listen to this aren't like reading 24 seven football stuff and know every offensive line. But fantasy football, you know the quarterbacks, you know the skill guys, you know the running backs. We just don't care about centers, <laughs> you know. E- even the best ones. I mean, I got Rodney Hudson in my backyard. Rodney Hudson's been a top, you know, probably ten offensive linemen in the NFL for five, six straight years. I bet most NFL fans couldn't point him out of a lineup. Okay, you think he's embarrassed? This is on, well, well, AB. You think he's embarrassed about his dumbass with the cryotherapy and his feet are worse than everyone thinks? HBO boost for Hard Knocks and all the drama or just a diva and he's trying to prove a point to the NFL, all the eyes on me, or he's just proving a point to the Raiders and his teammates that he's the man and he does what he wishes. IE trainer, trainer at the Raiders practice and all this stuff. Uh I you know I I I've kind of stopped trying to figure Antonio Brown out. I think it's a combination of it all. He's a big diva, he's a big me guy. He's going to do anything he wants. I think he legitimately hates the new helmet. Uh I think that he thought he could wear the old helmet. I think he's so rich and powerful. He knows that he can kind of do whatever he wants. I'd be a little shocked. Like people say that this is for the for the Hard Knox cameras. I disagree. Like you saw it watch Mike Mayock talk. Why, why would he allow, like let's say Hard Knox came to him with an idea. They were going to run like a real world, the hills, you know, a fake storyline. Why would he let this happen? I, I think they would not allow it. No chance. You know, for us, it does it does make some sense when you say it out loud from HBO standpoint because it is really good for the ratings and people do care. I I just I, I'm telling you, I have a hard time imagining the Raiders signing off on the Hard Knocks faking a story for Antonio Brown. Like I, I think this is legitimately real. I think he hates the the new helmet. I think that at the end of the day, I think that's the biggest issue. He legitimately hates the new helmet for whatever reason. He can't see, it's not comfortable. I don't know. He loves his old helmet. Doesn't quite add up. Question for the pod. What do you think the best case, worst case scenario for the Jets is this year? And how do you think the revamped O line will do? God, we get a lot of Jets question. I like I said, I'm going back and forth on them and the Bills. I'd probably lean the Jets. I think there's a chance maybe the Jets go nine and seven, eight and eight, and the Bills go seven and nine. Like they're both kind of in that same realm. I think the best case scenario for the Jets is Sam Darnold has like an MVP type season, you know. And for him, it wouldn't be like Mahomes. They don't quite have the weapons. It would probably be like thirty-five touchdowns and maybe ten picks, which ten picks would be a big deal for him because he's inclined to throw some, throw some interceptions. And Le'Veon Bell has a huge year. Their defense is good under Greg Williams. I I think so. The best case scenario is there is just they have a really, really explosive, you know, really explosive offense, and their defense is solid. And Adam Gase is a really good coach, and Sam Donald is a superstar. Worst case scenario, their offensive line is a disaster. Le'Veon's really rusty. Sam kind of struggles. They don't get much pass rush, and they suck, and they win five or six games. But you you look at Adam Gase's history, like Adam Gase wins. So I, I would probably lean no on that. That'll do it. That'll be my last question. Well, enjoyed it. The, the 49er game now is 23 to nine. That's the crazy thing about the preseason is if your starters suck, like you don't get any credit for anything that else happens after the game you know like beginning in the second quarter, no one cares. It's all about the starters. That's the only questions Kyle's gonna get after this game. 23 to 9, 49ers in a route even though it feels like they got blown out. It's kind of crazy how the preseason works. Uh, Appreciate everyone listening. Those DMs are wide open. You can slide up in them. At John Middlecoff, my Instagram handle. Come on and play, baby. And I'll answer your questions right here, 3 and Out Podcast. Adios. Have a good week. Talk soon. You'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com/slash credit card. Limitations apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History class.
3: Let's go places.